What's up, everything? It's been a wacky week for the St. Louis Blues, and we're here to break it down. Speaking of breakdowns, the Ottawa Senators and their fans are in a state of total disarray. We'll discuss all of their suffering and rant about whatever else comes to our minds in the hours and hours ahead. So let's get started, and let's go Blues! Welcome back, everyone. Open the door. Get on the floor. Everybody walk the dinosaur. Ian, you're back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Our thanks go out to Justin, who tagged in for the week and took all the beatings so that he could ultimately just make the hot tag back to you like some sort of friggin' Marty Janetti that you are. Now I've alienated half of our audience and my co-host mm. with two... Late 80s references. <laughs> you know, the period of time everybody wants to remember. Mm-hmm. How are you doing, Ian? Welcome back from the late 80s. Mm-hmm. My stint in rehab was okay this time. <laughs> they said, don't come back. That's Or or do if you need to. Much, I mean, Much like the real Marty Jannetty. There's a deep cut for all you. <laughs> Who's Marty Jannetty? <laughs> you know, he was the guy. He was uh, one half of the Rockers with Shawn Michaels, the one that went through the barbershop window. No. No, not ringing any bells. Well, it happened. (laughs) Okay. Now that we're on that subject, let's make a hard left turn to who's your favorite of the new Pokemon starters? Wow. Um, I I like Sobble, the weird fish man lizard. Excellent. We just I just wanted to see if we could alienate and the last every person. person listening in some way in the first two minutes. If you also, tell me you like score bunny politics. better than Sobble <laughs> and don't even talk to me about Grookey. <laughs> Grookey is not to be messed with. Grookey uh, thinks 9-11 was an inside job. <laughs> No question. No question he does. All right. This is the Two Guys No Cup podcast. It is Thursday, March 7th. We usually say that much earlier, but I'm glad I remembered to say it. We're coming to you from our uh, spacious and luxurious studios in, in a place in the bottom of the Grand Canyon where Ian did not venture this week. Mm-hmm. There are over 50 mountain lions that live in the base of the Grand Canyon. And they're all named... Doug. <laughs> I mean, that's the system by which they live, but I'm, I'm not one to question it. They've not, got fangs. I'm not one to question the goings-on of mountain lions. So here we go. All right, this oh is, this is going to be a fun week, huh? We get to you get to come back and the the blues are a disaster again. Mm-hmm. Welcome back, Ian. Yeah, it was interesting. Checking my phone sporadically as I got 3G or 2G or whatever Gs you get in southern Utah. They invented five while you were away. Oh, really? They didn't send it to me. That's a real thing. I'm not making that up. Oh, okay. Very good. Well, (laughs) they can peddle it out to me when they get it right. Um, So, yeah, it was interesting to watch this team via my phone updates and be like, oh, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) This is not what I had hoped for. Hey, we're up one nothing on the Hurricanes. Oh, we lost 5-2. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much. I was like, oh, what a shit show this must have been. 
Yeah, uh, so why don't we just go ahead and jump in there? We're going to have a lot of discussion about some other stuff in the league later on, but we'll start with a good hefty Blues discussion and talk about the 5-2 to two loss that was to the Carolina Hurricanes. The Hurricanes sort of picked up our mantle as the hottest team in the NHL and ran skated with it, I suppose. Um... And I believe when we when the two teams entered this game, I think they had identical records, which is pretty rare mm-hmm. to see this late in the season. Um, also says something about the Eastern Conference versus the Western when uh, they were barely, barely in the playoffs, if at all, at that mm-hmm. point with an identical record to ours, steadily holding down third place <laughs> in our division. Uh, but we'll talk about the playoffs later. Uh, this game opened with an Oscar Sundquist goal that was shot by Vince Dunn and didn't look like it was tipped, which is not to be confused with the later Vince Dunn goal that was shot by Vince Dunn and did look like it was tipped uh, by Oscar Sundquist, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Uh, Dunn made a nice play here to hold off someone at the point. I couldn't tell what their number was. It was 21 or 23 or some damn thing. But anyway, Dunn took a nice shot. Sundquist got a piece of it. Beat uh, McElhaney. I believe it was McElhaney in net for the goal. You find out. You find out if it was Curtis McElhaney. Is that their starter these days? Kind of. I think it's equal parts McElhaney and Mrazek. Oh, they have that duo. What a disaster that was. Yeah, that's the other What a disaster that should be on paper. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's, you know, it's served them well enough. Uh, the next goal, just a minute under a minute later, was scored by Justin Williams, assisted by Brett Pesci and Nito Niederreiter, one half of the infamous Nito Niederreiter <laughs> trade, the more famous half yeah. of the infamous Nito Niederreiter <laughs> trade. Uh, not great defense here by the Blues, as uh, Williams just has miles and miles of space in which to pass back and forth with Pesci and just unleash a shot that Allen probably couldn't see through Joel Edmondson, who certainly wasn't defending Justin Falk, or excuse me, Justin Williams in any way. Too many damn Justins on Mm -hmm. this team. Uh, But was blocking his goalie's vision to the puck. Best of both worlds at defending is Joel Edmondson. What do you think about this goal? Um... I think Joel. I think next. <laughs> I think Joel Edmondson's had a rough year defensively for a guy that's supposed to be very two way mm-hmm. and maybe a little more defensively savvy. I don't think he's been having the best year, which is good for the Blues. I say because we're in a playoff spot, and that means his next contract is going to be less. Hopefully, I the hope. math adds up. That's going to be a very it. interesting contract. Obviously, we'll talk about that more as it approaches. But that mm. I have no read. I have no clue where that's going. Um, Justin Fox scored a few minutes later, his eighth of the season, the aforementioned infamous Nino Niederreiter scoring, or assisting, and Sebastian Ajo, who is up to 46 assists and scores his 26th goal in this game as well. Uh, that guy, you drafted him the wrong year, my friend. Sebastian Ajo. <laughs> The other He's on one, your shit list. The other one in Detroit. What's his name? Dylan, Dylan Larkin. <laughs> These young, young, young players that showed promise at one point and then were not promise when I drafted them. They were poop when I drafted them, and now they're back to the promised land. Mm. What did you say? How many assists? 46. Holy crap. Only in this game. He's probably gotten more since then. <laughs> um, it, fa- was, it was Curtis McElhaney in that, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate your doing the legwork on that. Falk took a shot. Allen looks like he was screened by 
either Steen or Petrangelo or both. Um, <laughs> and also 14, who I think is Williams again. So not great. Not not Alan's fault. Don't worry. We'll get to Alan's fault eventually. But this one wasn't it. Oh, yeah. um, second period opened with the Blues tying the game. Vince Dunn, this shot actually wasn't was scored by him, even though it didn't look like it was scored by him. Um, it took a bounce off at least one and maybe two um, Canes players, I believe, and got in the net. Which, to me, it's weird how often that happens. Like, to me, it makes no sense that balls or that pucks ever deflect into the net in a hockey arena. Mm -hmm. The target looks so small relatively, but I guess it's not compared to a puck, but still. Um, Nice goal here. Not a lot more to say. But there's plenty to say about the next goal. Mm. Would you like to discuss it? Can you tell me what happens, like, right before this gift we're looking at? Yeah, so there's a play. The puck gets out of the z- our zone on the power play. Mm-hmm. It's an ugly power play. Oh, this is a shorthanded goal. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh yes. Yum, 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 and yum, yum. So <laughs> let's so not, let's not pretend that it wasn't an ugly power play mistake. Mm-hmm. The defense bears some of the blame, but not all of the blame. Not even most of the blame because Jake Allen goes out to make a routine play along the boards, bungles it, somehow gives the puck right to Sebastian Ajo behind the net, and then instead of like really doing anything, he just sort of makes like a sort of Ricky Bobby at the end of Talladega Nights, just sort of a dive to the finish line. Uh, And the announcer is saying that's not, of course, going to count for anything, but it's the thought that counts or whatever he said. No, they Uh, didn't say that, but (laughs) God willing, they had. And Ajo just wraps around and easily uh, tucks it in. I have to say, I left, I had uh, dinner with a friend this night and left right after um, the done goal, so I didn't have to see any of this unfold. Um, but yeah, we I, were lucky. Yeah, I certainly caught the flack of um, the fans afterwards. Well, I didn't catch it personally, but I caught the hatred for um, Alan afterwards. Do you think it'd be better to have an Alan Bennington discussion that we have to have this week because they won't let us not have it mm-hmm. now, or would you rather have it after the Anaheim game when Bennington makes some mistakes? Let's let's have it after the Anaheim okay. one. Okay, that's fair. So remind me if we get back there and I don't take us there. You heard us. You heard them, viewers, uh, <laughs> listeners, viewers, <laughs> viewers, readers, whatever. <laughs> you know. Persons, investors, mm. and all our fans. <laughs> uh, from that point on, it was pretty clinical for the Hurricanes. I, I swear, we always lose to this team, even when they're yeah, a bad team. I we think, lose to them. I think every year the back was broken by that goal. The fourth goal to me is even worse from Allen. And I was texting you about the Bennington goal too, and, and we'll get circle back there. But I would much rather a goalie make a mistake where they're overly aggressive and they Mm. try and make a play, you know, like a daring play, um, instead of just letting a puck get into a net that it has no business getting into from an angle it shouldn't get into. And this Jordan Stahl goal, his sixth of the season. (laughs) Woof. Wrong Stahl (laughs) got traded. (laughs) Wrong kid dad. Uh, But not a good look for Allen. I it did bounce to him, bounce to Stall in a weird way, but just not good enough. And the 
Uh, Kane scored a fifth goal by Andrei Shvechnikov, which I assume was an empty netter, uh, assisted by Pesci and Falk. And that was the end of the game. The Blues lost 5-2. to two. At this point, they were something like 2-2-1 two, two, and one since the winning streak ended against the Dallas Stars, who then came to town. Mm. Any more thoughts on the Carolina game before we move on? I'm glad I didn't have to watch it. Yes. Do I, you like their third jerseys? I like them more than most people. Mm-hmm. I agree. I've heard a lot of hate for those things, and I think they're fine. I think they look better than their old thirds. Mm-hmm. Their old thirds are black, they too. They look less but toilet flushy. Yeah, Anything to get rid of the toilet flush, I'm all for. <laughs> I like the little flags, and I think they add a little like gray to it, sort of. Uh-huh. And there's more red in these ones than their old black ones they used to wear. I'll so. tell you, they're better than those stealth Tampa Bay uniforms. Oof. And those, oh, my my brother, this is an aside, but um, my brother the other day, who's a, a passive hockey fan at best, goes, we were, the, the Flyers game against whomever was on last mm-hmm. night, and we were passively watching it, and um, my brother said, now that you have uh, a big boy job, because I recently got a big boy job, mm. <laughs> but he said, now that you have a, a nice job, can you uh, buy me a Blues jersey sometime? And I said, sure, because he doesn't probably know it's a you know $200 investment, but I love <laughs> my brother anyway. And he said... Good, because I feel like I should have a Blues jersey before I ask you to buy me a Flyers jersey. And the Flyers happened to be wearing their third jerseys that night. And I Mm -hmm. said, oh, but not that Flyers jersey, (laughs) right? And he was like, no, no, I want one of the orange ones. And I was like, thank you. Much better. (laughs) Um, So I'm apparently in the hold of my brother for $400 worth of hockey jerseys. But, you know, live and learn. uh, (laughs) uh, In any case, so the Dallas Stars. The Blues had to play the Stars. This was the second half of a back-to-back, right? I believe that Friday, Saturday, and then we had that weird lawn break. Um, So, Berube, Craig Berube, whom we'll talk about in detail later, makes a decision. Not a good decision. <laughs> uh, he decides that Robert or that uh, Jaden Schwartz isn't adjusting well enough on the top line, which arguably he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he felt that the top line wasn't beefy enough with Schwartz out there, <laughs> which is not a term I ever want to hear a 2019 NHL head coach ever use. Where's the beef? Uh, <laughs> um, and he put. Patrick Murray in there. I almost said Phil Murray. <laughs> he put unprofessional hockey player Phil Maroon. There's the beef. Professional tweeter. Uh, shout out, Phil Maroon, if you're listening. You're a fun follow. Mm-hmm. Everybody go follow Phil Maroon. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I mean, my thought on this was like, okay, maybe Schwartz isn't beefy enough, but Patrick Maroon isn't good enough yeah. to be on the top Do you line. remember when they were going to put him on the top line, you know, oh, over the when summer? When signed him? Yeah. yeah. And then they never really committed to that in any way. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be that line, right? O'Reilly, Tarasenko, and Maroon? Maroon, yeah. And then they never committed at all to O'Reilly and Tarasenko, really. Yeah. What a mis- <laughs> What a miscalculation. And we'll talk more about a lot of that. Um, but, yeah, so O'Reilly took a high stick here. The Blues pulled their goalie, um, didn't do anything. There, oh, there was, a, there was a play here where the Blues pulled their goalie and even got a shot off. You didn't see this game, so you mm-hmm. wouldn't know. And the refs blew the whistle and called off the penalty. And Pang and 
Kelly were baffled, and the refs decided that it was a follow-through and an inadvertent high stick, which I think is still just a high stick. I think that's... I I don't think you can do that. No, I don't think that... I think they just blew a call and then blew the explanation. (laughs) Great. um, Sounds like the NHL. Sounds like I missed nothing. Yeah. Uh, Blues got a power play. The power play was dreadful in this game. It was dreadful in the Canes game. And then it was great in the Anaheim game. Well, we'll see who was more responsible yeah. <laughs> for that in a while. But uh, we tweeted out, one of the biggest weaknesses on this entire team is off is defensive power play support. They're pretty good when the puck is in the zone, but they have no ability to keep it in. And the transition game is usually poor, which I think is very true. Colton Pareko, I know there are people out there who sincerely believe he's the next Chris Pronger. He's not. He's not. He's got an amazing shot. Mm-hmm. And other than that, he is average at best offensively to me in today's NHL. He has an astounding lack of assists. Uh-huh. Like, I think in next game, in the Anaheim game, he gets up to 11, like, on the on the season. Vince Dunn has, like, 20 yeah. on the season. And I'm, I'm and that's not, not enough. <laughs> yeah, and Colton Franco's two-way game, to his credit, has looked a lot better. Mm-hmm. I used to think he looked a little crappy defensively, and I think he's stepped up in that uh, regard uh-huh. greatly this season. But yeah, that's something I would want to look at moving forward with him is maybe top power play time, which I, I don't know if they're giving him any more right now, or if they've ever given it to him consistently, but I feel like they need to, mm-hmm. and maybe the assists start coming it's a it's a small gripe for me, but it is weird when I was writing those notes for Anaheim to see like eleven assists. Mm-hmm. Like really, there was that period where he was just stuck at like four or five for mm-hmm. a while. I mean, he's actually heated up in that department. <laughs> Good job. But, um, yeah, there was another immediate power play. They didn't do anything with it, and the stars scored. The stars scored twice. Late in the first, which honestly Ooh. kind of sealed the game from a momentum, you know, just no, from yeah. a momentum perspective. Uh, the first one was a Jamie Ben goal. He won the face off cleanly, uh, right to Fadoon, whose first name is Taylor. I did write that down. Down. <laughs> I read Fadoon. Uh, Fadoon wound up a shot. It was a floater, but it ricocheted off Ben <laughs> and in. Uh, two minutes later, John Klingberg. The number of times this team, when it's not in form, gives up goals two minutes apart is uh, frightening mm-hmm. uh john Klingberg scores just his eighth of the season after being a norris finalist last year with like 70 points i think he has like under 30 on the year uh although he does get several in this game blake como also assisted blake como still an nhl player good to know uh there was a turnover <laughs> by the blues at center ice como skated in easily dropped it to Klingberg. Klingberg had a ton of space and easily beat ben- bennington uh the commentary blamed the two failed power plays for the shift in the momentum which was a good point, except then don't fail on the power play. <laughs> I hate when the commentary says that when they're like, I really think if you look at it, this game shifted on those two power plays that didn't go through. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I understand. I feel like they could have done better if they scored on those power plays. And it's like, yeah, but they were in control of scoring on those power <laughs> plays. Like it's just this 50-50, like, well, if you <laughs> yeah. win some, you lose some on the power play. They speak about this team very scientifically sometimes. And I realize they're supposed to be like impartial theoretically which i've never understood but that's a different discussion for a different day but like yeah it's just like what what's happening 
aren't you also mad that they suck on the power play? But anyway, uh, second period, my first note was, this power play is horrendous. So I guess we're keeping with the theme. Alex Petrangelo scores late in the period um, with his 11th of the season, uh, assisted by Sunquist and Edmondson. Bennington made a nice save, but he didn't cover it, and it allowed Edmondson to take it behind. He fed along the boards to Sunquist, who entered and slapped it over to Petrangelo. Petrangelo shot a nice wrister and beat Bennington up high. Ian, if you haven't seen this goal back, you should go watch it. It was very nice. Um, that's one of the ones I didn't put the G- gif in for. I'm sorry, Jeff. The, all the other ones are in here. But... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this that goal was really nice, and, and Bennington got a lot of credit on commentary for starting it with his wise play. Of course, it didn't ultimately mean much. Do you have something to interject? No. Uh, because Jamie Benn scored once again two minutes later, his second of the game, not his last spoiler alert. Sunquist trying <laughs> to escape uh, for a shorthanded opportunity, but he couldn't, and Klingberg took it back, got it to Ben. Ben tried a cross-ice pass, but it didn't work, but the Blues couldn't get it back. Sagan, Sagan got it and dished it back to Ben, and Ben had a really sick goal here, another one you should watch back, where he's looking the puck off like he's going to pass to his side and just takes a no-look shot, and Bennington is just not prepared at all. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's just totally fooled by his head. Um, As much as you don't want to see that goal scored and as much as it it sucks for Bennington, it was a brilliant goal. Kudos to Jamie Venn, who I know we're supposed to hate, but damn, it was cool. That guy's lighting us up this year. Yeah, no kidding. And last year. He's really... Sitting on a throne of Alex Petrangelo. <laughs> um, third period, the Blues controlled the play. They had 71.5% of the Corsi. Um, they had 10 shots to the Stars' four, but ultimately it didn't mean anything. Ben got an empty net goal from center ice. It was a snipe. It was his hat trick. The Blues lose 4-1. to one. Uh, They had 30 to 21 of the shots. They had uh, 45% of the face-offs. They're struggling in face-offs a lot lately, which is weird Mm -hmm. considering all the talent they should have in that category. Uh, They were 0 for 3 on the power play. The Stars were 1 for 1. Hits and blocks and giveaways were all essentially even. Um... The heat map I found was really interesting here just because you can see the wide berth the stars had. The stars kept around their net. Mm-hmm. And all, and the we tweeted this out a couple of days ago if you folks want to see it or you can go to naturalstattrick.com. But um, there's really just an, another crease around the crease of where blue, the Blues weren't allowed to oh, get yeah. the puck and shoot from. And uh, you can see that the stars or the Blues did not enforce that luxury, and there are a ton of shots from right in uh, to Bennington's right, and um, one two basically of the goals were scored there. So that that'll teach him. <laughs> um, I mean, I think the heat map really tells the story of what this whole game was about. Uh, there were, uh, Luke Korak said, some words out of the locker room. The Blues need to generate better execution on offense. Power play needs to be better. Mistakes have been costly the past couple of games. Nobody is worried. Some adversity tests one's metal. Obviously missing Shen and Perron hurts, but no excuses. Ian, could you go to Jeremy Rutherford's page and find the Ryan O'Reilly quote? 
uh, about his own personal performance. It's a lengthier one right. because uh, that's going to transition well to our next game. Uh, but the uh, Alex Petrangelo said, when you go on a streak like we did, you seem to be getting every bounce and every opportunity you're getting is going in. Adversity sometimes isn't a bad thing, so it's a bit of a wake-up call for us. We've got to respond and regroup and have a big push this week. Uh, and Ryan O'Reilly said, we had to keep, we have to keep building. This rest comes at a good time. And the Blues did have, I want four days off. I want as well, three days off, I guess, mm-hmm. not counting the game on either side. Uh, and traveled to Anaheim, which I think is our first break of longer than two games since the two days since the All-Star break. I believe so. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it did come at a good time when the team was faltering. We'll talk about the Anaheim game. Did you find the quote successfully? I'm looking for it. I sent you on sort of a wild goose chase. Um, but I was going to ask you, how did you feel about this game? Was this, was this two? This is two losses in a yeah. row because they beat the Predators the Tuesday before. Right. Um, I was start. I'm. I was starting to, and as we'll discuss, I'm not totally past worrying about this team at this point. I think. The Stars are one of the teams you need to you need to be playing better than this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're right behind you. Yeah, they're right behind you in the playoff push. You can't be giving them easy wins. And I just didn't feel like the Blues played consistently well enough to take control of this game. And on home ice, you just got to do better than that. You know, they look a, in a lot of ways in those two games, they look like the Blues of... October and November and not the Blues of January and February. Mm-hmm. And so that worried me quite a bit. How did you feel reading it from afar? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what it felt like. I saw a lot of tweets, um, especially when I don't watch games. I try to look at social media just to see what the overall feel is. Um, sometimes it can be a little dangerous. But mm-hmm. it seemed like a lot of people thought this, these were losses, but they're kind of middling losses. And like, oh, you know, they're better than they look better than they used to be when they were a terrible team. But I've kind of felt. I think felt, they do a little bit, but yeah. that's setting a real low bar. Well, that's what I mean, I kind of felt like you. I was like, I know I didn't see these games, but the score and just looking at like those Dallas goals were two quick ones and uh-huh. things like that. It just tasted of earlier in the season. It didn't taste of like them going back to maybe cooling off into a median, you know, a middle ground. Mm-hmm. It felt like no, they're going past that and going back into the dark place again. Um, it was a little disheartening. I really felt like they had to win the Anaheim game. Uh, which was a roller coaster to watch on my phone as like these scores kept updating. I was like, oh no, 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 three in a row <laughs> against like the Ducks too, and, and now it just that that didn't sit well in my head. Yeah. If that was to be the case, all right, I've got we this. We will talk about that. I've got this O'Reilly quote. I think this is the one you said. It's him talking about his own performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So O'Reilly said of his performance. This is after or overall performance after the Dallas game. He said, I myself have been terrible these last few games. I have to find a way to create more. Our line has to be one of the lines that plays the most minutes, has to create and change momentum. I myself take responsibility for that, and I have to I have to be way better than I've shown. That's uh, good foreshadowing because we're entering a game in which his line reunited with former winger Braden Shin, who comes off the injured reserve, has by my count six points. Uh, in on four goals, mm-hmm. including the first one that was entirely them, um, or five goals, excuse me. And, um, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about how good Brian O'Reilly looked in the mm-hmm. first period of this game, especially. Uh, but it started with a Ducks goal by Nick Ritchie, 
at this point, I was in a full-blown panic mode. <laughs> the <first laughs> when the Ducks goal. opened the scoring on you, the Ducks, I mean, for those of you who don't, you maybe follow other teams a little more passively. The Ducks are the worst team in hockey right mm. now. They got rid of Don't Michael Delzano. Don't believe that it's Ottawa. The Ottawa Senators have an excuse to be as bad as they are. Mm. They have no talent. We'll talk about the Ottawa Senators. The Ducks are as lost as I have ever seen a professional sports team look. And I've watched Premier League soccer. I've watched... <laughs> Jose Mourinho, Jose Mourinho coach, Manchester United earlier this season. That's a little shout-out to our friend Justin, uh, who is a Man United fan, which disgusts me, but we'll get over it. (laughs) Um, But in any case, uh, yeah, the Anaheim Ducks are just lost. So the fact that this game was even close, as we'll talk about, is something of a concern. Uh, But let's go ahead and start with the Nick Ritchie goal, his ninth of the season, assisted by Troy Terry, uh, who is a very promising young winger, uh, whose rookie card I recently got in a pack, so please become good, Troy Terry. Um, <laughs> you owe and, us. And a fellow named Corbinian Holzer, who I believe is of German ancestry, believe it or not. It sounds so French. But, Corbinian. Um, in any case, Terry had it behind the net. Delzato, who made his debut in this game, Woof. Uh, (laughs) I tweeted before the game that the Delzato-Dunn pairing was going to be something to behold, and it sure was. Um, Neither Thomas also couldn't dispossess uh, Richie. Thomas, at least for his sake, made up for it later in the game. Uh, But he backhanded it to Richie, or excuse me, Terry backhanded it to Richie, who wrapped around in front and knocked it home. Not a great look for our defenseman, not defending either the front or the back of the net. Bennington was slow to react, too. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to walk us through the two Blues goals, since you wrote these notes? I'll do it. Um, <laughs> I was surprised. We'll go. I was surprised that we went three for three on the power play right away, uh, especially given the fact that you said our power play the last game looked like poop. I wish that he had done the that uh, Verube had done the Ken Hitchcock thing. Oh, we'll get that fixed in one. Yeah, <laughs> which he did, by the way. That was pretty ballsy. That was so baller. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we. Did, I don't think we went on to have like the best power play in hockey, but it was worlds mm-hmm. different. Immediately. It was night and day. Um, we kind of alluded to this earlier. We'll talk through these three goals. Is it the Blues power play looking amazing? Is it the Ducks PK looking just awful? You be the judge. <laughs> uh, Blues first power play goal uh, eight minutes into the first period. Braden Shen's 12th of the season. He comes on back and he scores his 12th goal. Uh, he's the straw that stirs the drink now. Uh-huh. Jaden Schwartz can get fucked. It's Braden Shen all the way. Did you say Braden Schwartz? Bra- whatever. Braden Schwartz, <laughs> Jaden Shen, Alexander Sundquist. Yeah, there's enough S's on Jordan this damn team. Uh, O'Reilly hits Tarasenko with a cross-eyes pass. Dylan Shantz. Dylan Shantz. <laughs> doesn't that guy exist? That's a real yeah, guy. Yeah, we drafted him a few years ago. He Why? didn't become anything. I want to say. Just, 20- we draft him for the name. <laughs> 2012 or 2013. Dylan, yeah, it was like a chance. It was like a sixth or seventh rounder. So I, honest to God, could believe they just said, "Yeah, let's throw him in the mix." <laughs> so let's take a Dylan chance. <laughs> oh God! If uh, you change your mind, <laughs> no more singing. Uh, 
O'Reilly uh, hit Tarasenko with a cross-ice pass to start this play, and if I had a nickel for every time O'Reilly made a great pass, I would have many nickels <laughs> because of how many great passes he makes, thus more nickels due to the great passing. <laughs> Thank you yeah. for really belaboring that. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of nickel. Uh, Tarasenko has all the space in the world because the Ducks PK is garbage tier. And Tarasenko <laughs> fires the puck. Shen tips it in past Gibson. Welcome back, Braden Shen. Uh, you know what? He's kind of the. I've noticed this more, and maybe it's just because I'm a bad hockey fan and I should have noticed it sooner. Really, I should have. Braden Shen's kind of like our weird new hybrid David Backus. I remember hearing that before, but he's in front of the net. He does a much better job, I personally think, than Pat Maroon. He seems to be able to put in tip But is him. he beefy? That's right. I, I mean, he's got some beef on the bun. <laughs> no, hockey. Why are you this mm, way? Beef on the bun. Hockey, why are you the way that you are? Ryan O'Reilly's got beef on the bun, and he scores mm. the second power play goal for the Blues 15 minutes into the first period. His 25th of the season, assisted by Tyler Bozak and Alex Petrangelo. If you watch a replay of this goal, <laughs> it is the same goal as the goal you just watched before, except O'Reilly doesn't pass to Tarasenko. He shoots it, and it goes in. It's literally the same set play. Uh, that's how set plays work. That's how power play formations work. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's the same look. And I'm like, yeah, of course it is, dummy. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. I like that you said O'Reilly has all the space in the known universe to yeah. shoot. <laughs> yeah, because the Ducks speak is fucking awful. <laughs> like, I get it. When people are like, well, of course they got some space. It's five on four. But you can challenge the guy or you can, like, drop to a knee to block the shot. These people are lost. They're rudderless. They have their GM as their coach now. Yeah, that can't be good. They haven't. No, they they've only blown it in the first or second round up until now. They have no idea what it's like to blow it in January. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They're just sinking lower and lower. Second period their started. Their GMs, their head oh, coach, God. which we can talk about for a decade after this game's through. Yeah, it's it's wolftastic. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a great save that Gibson made on Sunquest and robbed him. It was amazing. Oh my god. That guy is the only shining light. Is Gibson your Vesna candidate? I would I would I would absolutely yeah. make him the Vesna trophy winner. I'd make him the heart winner. Honest to God, I would. <laughs> Here's the thing. I wouldn't, but if these people are going to be out here saying Connor McDavid has to win the oh, heart, even boo, if they don't make no. the playoffs, which they all say, saying that you have to make the playoffs is bullshit. And I'm like, no, saying that it doesn't matter is what's bullshit. Mm. But anyway, if we're going by the people who think Connor McDavid should get in standard, John Gibson is, to me, as valuable to his team as Connor McDavid is. If, yeah. If it weren't for John Gibson, tickets to Anaheim Ducks games would have negative value. <laughs> they would have to pay people to attend their games. And they're Anaheim, so there's lots of extras in the area that they can pay to fill a seat and have no speaking roles. That dude has to be responsible for, like, more than half their wins. Oh, personally, single-handedly, yeah, yeah. just alone. I mean, we are in the territory, as we always are with Connor McDavid, too, of, like, is he actually hurting the team by costing them Jack Hughes or Cavacaco? <laughs> but uh, that's yes, a, he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah, really 100%. Is. Um, yeah, so Robert Thomas scored a goal here. Mm-hmm. Not his last of the night. He had, uh, this was his sixth of the season, though. Mm-hmm. Hey, Robbie, uh, some Matchbox 20 lyric. Mm. With six. We had a guy <laughs> volunteer on Twitter to be our official 
uh, Matchbox 20 lyrics correspondent. So I think that's a position that he now has. It's been filled. You've got it. <laughs> Colton Pareko gets his 10th assist and Patrick Maroon's 14th. Walk us through this goal, Ian. So there's your... There's the weird one for me that I saw. is Colton Preco's 10th assist, Patrick Maroon's 14th, and I was like, that doesn't add up. That ain't right. <laughs> Nobody should have more, less of something than Patrick Maroon <laughs> I was Maroon like, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, power play goal, Thomas shoots the puck Also, from why were all these people on the power play at the same time? <laughs> a bad change. I thought Robert Thomas was on the first power play. He was for a while. Now he's not again. Maybe Braden Shen back, back, and yeah. they booted him down, I suppose. Uh, he gets in the right circle and fires the puck. Uh, not, despite what you said about John Gibson, a pretty awful goal. <laughs> it goes between his body and the arm. Yeah. Uh, he's not a Vesna candidate anymore. He's garbage tier again. My favorite term, garbage tier. I do like tier. that we did have that conversation right before this yeah. shitter goal. <laughs> That's really bad. This is like, you know what? He's doing really good. Oh, no. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. But you know what? It's not all on him. It's the other four people, specifically three ducks, that are literally <laughs> within arm's length of Robert Thomas. Like, they're in tackle formation they're close enough to him and he still whips it by and gibson's not screened it's literally like no one touched him they were very close to touching him gibson saw the puck the whole way he didn't stop it good for you robert thomas bad for literally every duck minus maybe that fourth one that was somewhere else is chad johnson still their backup goal oh i'm 100 what world you remember how he was a blue chad johnson saved this team's season by being traded. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You saved his season by being so bad that they waved. Him. Thank you, Chad. You've <laughs> saved the St. Louis Blues. <laughs> That's actually a true statement. Yeah. Oh. Best goalie in Blues history? I don't know. Maybe just Arguably, because of that. A strong argument. I'm making it. <laughs> um. <laughs> Oh, boy. Ducks get a power play goal after, uh, less than two minutes later, Ricard Raquel is 10th, assisted by Troy Terry and Cam Fowler. It's a hot play. It's just a hot play. It's Holy hot. cow. Ricard Raquel, real friggin' good. Uh, and I can't, I honestly can't blame anyone on the Blues here. It's a cross-ice pass. It's right to Raquel, who one-times it in, past Bennington. Bennington's making the stretch. Steen almost picks the pass off. It's just like, what can you do? Sometimes, folks, it's just, what can you do? Um, you can do more for this Jacob Magna yeah. goal. Uh, this team is first in the NHL. Can I interrupt for one second? Well, no, you finish this one. Okay. I'll interrupt. Assisted by Sam, Sam Steele, who I didn't realize they brought up. Good for them, I suppose. That's maybe a little shining beacon for them. Mm-hmm. Aside from Gibson and Jacob Silverberg, Magna's first NHL goal, like I mentioned. A little too much puck, a little too much puck watching by the Blues on this play. Bennington gets screened in front as Magna lets a wrister rip from just inside the blue line. Uh, it's another, <laughs> I don't know, you mentioned it in the Dallas game. You uh-huh. could see that they defended in front of their net really well. And I feel like we're just not doing the same anymore. Even um, in the Carolina game, the highlights I watched, to Allen's credit, when he is in position and everything, the defense just isn't clearing up people from in front. And I feel like that's leading to at least one or two goals in every game. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I did want to interject for a second as my throat closes up. Um, <laughs> He's that, dying. <laughs> that, uh, oh my God. That's the worst shot chart I've ever seen. 
Um, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> um, I do tend to think that the ducks are like doomed, but then I look down and they, I don't know anything about Magna, but they've mm. got Raquel, who I think is the bomb.com, even though he's having a really rough season. He'll rebound. Yeah. And then they've got, uh, Sam Steele, who's been like a top prospect forever, which isn't always a good sign, but he's finally up. And then Troy Terry's supposed to be legit too wasn't he like leading the ahl in points or i something? think so and i think maxime comtois also theirs too mm-hmm. so they've got like four stud young forwards they're just screwed with the kessler contract which is the worst in hockey right now uh with due respect to milan lucic i think kessler <laughs> has at least maybe two more years than lucic left on his deal um and those two hate each other gets left's contract comparatively isn't bad uh comparatively to both Kessler and Ter- and Perry's, um, but all three of them are making like upwards of thirty million per mm-hmm. season. Uh, Gibson's on a really good deal. They've got a good defensive core, um, but they're in a weird middle situation where it's like all the old pieces are clogging space for the youngsters that can make it exciting, and it's not an enviable position to be in. And speaking of unenviable positions to be in, Adam Henrique, speaking of overpaid people, we'll get to that in a minute, (laughs) uh, scores his 14th goal of the season, assisted by the aforementioned Jacob Megna, which I always want to say, Mingala from... Dr. Mingala, because there's a scene, not because I think that he's a Nazi scientist, <laughs> I was but, like, what? but because there's a scene in Scrubs where a guy calls Dr. Cox, Dr. Mingala, and he says it just like that, and it always makes me happy. Anyway, um, Scrubs fans will know what I'm talking about, and no one else will You've care. You've alienated Troy more people. Terry gets the other assist. Oh, no, no, Jordan Bennington. Oh, no, no. He also has a dark place. (laughs) He went into uh, Mephistopheles' vacuum here. Um, (laughs) He tried to make a low glove save. It bounced into the air. He reached out to try and kind of like Yadier Molina catch it, and he couldn't do that either. And at that point, he was out of position and... Out of commission and other things that rhyme with out of superstition. <laughs> and uh, Adam Henrique picked it up and just knocked it in. Um, yeah, I guess let's just finish the game before we had the goalie conversation. But the second part here, the first goal, the first save he should just make and cover it. Mm-hmm. But the part where he tries to catch it in midair is a mistake, but it's the mistake I'd rather him make than to just sit there and get dummied anyway, you mm. know? So And I, you do occasionally see goalies, you know, actually make like the little yeah. catcher's save. Yeah. So. so he's obviously distraught and at the time it seemed like the goal that might well cost the blues the game, but might you add, he's a bad person. He's also a terrible, terrible human being. Mm-hmm. He's not nervous, though. I know that much. <laughs> um, and Sociopath. It seemed like the Blues were just going to let this one dribble away. And honestly, any other team should have put it away. But <laughs> you weren't facing any other team. You were facing the Anaheim Ducks. And with f- 64 seconds left, a sight I never think- thought I'd see again, the Blues saw a six-on-five equalizing goal when Robert Thomas catches Colton Pareko's hard feet off the backboards and just roofs it over, <laughs> over mm-hmm. uh, John Gibson. What a shot by Robert Thomas. Um, you might even say that it was so 
smooth. And it was his second goal of the... Oh, we referenced like two Matchbox 20 songs. Oh, yeah, per podcast. Okay, very Um, good. And uh, I assume his first two-goal game? I think so. It would have to be. Uh, well, it wouldn't have to wouldn't be. He does have be. seven goals, but I <laughs> wouldn't have to be. He, I know he's had multi-assist games before, but I do think this is his first multi-goal game. Uh, Colton Pareko assisting as well as Vladimir Tarasenko, and you think, okay, so the Blues eked out a point, and we'll see what happens in overtime. But nope, the Ducks are so bad, they thought, let's rip the whole Band-Aid off in one <laughs> fell swoop. I don't want to play anymore the hockey. The full video with stoppages of these two plays back-to-back is a minute and 11 seconds. In-game, it's 12 seconds. Um, and uh, Alex Petrangelo gets a puck, and he uh, shoots it around, or he... Yeah, it gets in deep, excuse me, and it gets back to Petrangelo. He takes a shot, and it bounces off the skate of Adam Henrique at an insane angle and goes in an entirely empty net because what the hell is John Gibson going to do? <laughs> um, Adam Henrique, by the way, uh, is starting a five-year contract extension at, I think, $5.85 million, mm-hmm. just a skosh. Just a skosh under $6 million next season. Next season, (laughs) he starts that contract. So congratulations, Anaheim. Uh, Congratulations on your years and years of suffering ahead and your ultimate decision to trade John Gibson for table scraps. Enjoy. (laughs) Bob Murray's your coach. Fiend. The Blues win five to four. They outshoot the Ducks thirty-three to twenty-seven. They lose the face-off battle. We'll get to that in a minute. They do go three for five on the power play. Uh, almost a shame that they didn't do better on the power play <laughs> with how bad the Ducks are. Yeah. Um, penalty minutes were close. Hits were close. Uh, the Blues have more of the blocks and more of the giveaways. Why don't you read this Lou Korak face-off stat that you found? Yeah, you said there were 69 face-offs. Nice. (laughs) Tonight, and Ryan O'Reilly took 39 of them. So that's crazy. Winning 23. The Blues, as a team, won 30. Simply not good enough from the others who went 7 for 30 total, but Sammy Blay went 1 for 1. Good job, Sammy Blay! Viva la Sammy! (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't think of French. Yeah, fast I mean, enough. Bozak is supposed to, is is really good at the faceoffs. Yeah. He's got like a fifty four on the year. Mm-hmm. Thomas probably isn't yet, but hopefully, will develop that skill set. Um, and Sunquist, Barbashev, Sunquist, Quest, whoever plays center. But I mean, O'Reilly and Bozak should be enough to win you most of the faceoff battles most yeah. of the time. Oh yeah, so. Sunquist played center night. Yeah, they had the weird line of Schwartz Sunquist steam this game. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Weird. Um, so why don't we go ahead and talk about goalies here? I, I don't want to keep having this. <laughs> I was like, man, you said that, and that like, I oh, also, my mind shattered in a ten pieces. Here's your shot chart. The mm-hmm. Ducks are very bad at defense. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. Literally, for the folks that can't see this, which is all of you, because none of you are watching on video, there's just a T. And all of the heat is right at John Gibson's net. It's all right there. Mm-hmm. Um, that is just the even strength shot cart chart. Let's put it on all, and there you go. That's even more. All of the goals are in a line across the front of the net. <laughs> Good stuff. 
Um, so, yeah, so the goalie conversation. Look, uh, we all know Jordan Bennington's our starter now. That's not a conversation worth having. It's weird to hear because I agree, but it also sounds like crazy. I uh-huh. agree and I want it to be, but it also sounds yeah, crazy it does at the sound same insane time. From like a, a month ago. Yeah. Or two. <laughs> yeah. Can you, can you, oh my God. If can you, you told imagine? us in November, then like in three months, you're going to say, look, we all know, we all agree Jordan Bennington's our star. And in the now. same way, it's like, no, he's not. But also, of course he is because Jake Allen faltered again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, of course somebody and else Billy is. Huso presumably was injured, which he actually was. Yeah. But Wow. So. Wow. What to say about Jake Allen's performance on Friday, last Friday. Learns Day. <laughs> yeah. I don't, like, the first two goals were unremarkable. The, they were not his fault at all. Mm-hmm. That third goal is a disaster. (laughs) And if it was just like, listen, every goalie ever has made a disastrous play like that. That third John Gibson goal was real, real bad. Mm -hmm. But it was just a disaster, and it's such a microcosm. And then the fourth goal was also a disaster in a very different way. (laughs) He covers all his bases. And I know... I, I... don't want to constantly pick on Jake Allen. I I think the people who are out there saying that Jake Allen cost us the Minnesota game, which I believe was his last start before this, are equally insane because he's the only reason we got a point in that game. Mm. He's I mean, yes, he should have saved the game-winning goal in overtime, but he never would have faced it if he hadn't been better earlier on. So, mm. But I just, like... There is no road forward for Jake Allen here. The dam is broken. The cat is out of the bag and other cliches that you can think of. And I don't know what Jordan Bennington is, right? None of us really do. That's mm-hmm. no, that's something we have to keep in mind and be honest about. I am fairly confident that he is not a 169-35 goaltender. Yeah. If he is, great. He's the reincarnation of Dominic Hasek and the best goalie of all time, and we will win seven Stanley Cups. But is Dominic Hasek still alive? Yes. Okay. Just, I, yeah. <laughs> I just <laughs> want to make sure you scared Cur- me. The career reincarnation, oh, not you. the human being being dead. I'm very spiritual. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but Bennington, like we don't know what he is, but can we just as a as a community admit that we now do know what Jake Allen is and what he is 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 not an NHL yeah. caliber goaltender. If the playoffs start tomorrow, you start <laughs> Jordan Bennington. If you say different, you're you're just wrong. I mean, I'm sorry, but it's like you would start Jordan Bennington when we play Nashville game one tomorrow. You would. That's who you would start. Yeah, if you say Jake Allen, I just don't understand. Backing up a lie. Yeah. You have a Stockholm syndrome. Like, you can say it, but it's just not true. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it would be equally ridiculous to me of, like, we should play Robert Bortuzzo 25 minutes in the playoffs. Like, no. You may think that. You are incorrect. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I think that's a good point to make. And it's just, 
I don't want to mention the Steve Dangle guys because I know people don't always listen to them, but they had a very similar conversation about Garrett Sparks, their backup goalie. And they were just like, it's been enough time. We now know that he's not an NHL backup or starter. And that the Maple Leafs made a mistake by trading, by letting McElhaney and Pickard both go. And we can just admit that. And we can stop fighting every time he starts a game because Toronto's Culture is just like us. Every time Jake Allen starts a game, we have to have this fight. Mm-hmm. And let's stop. Let's stop doing that. Every time Mike Smith starts a game in Calgary, do you think they're fighting? Or are they just like, oh, yes, David Riddich arrived, and he's much better, and he's the reason that we're top of the conference. Mm-hmm. Or at least the division, you know? Louis Deming is not good, especially, as the backup to Andre Vasilevsky. They still win because they're the Lightning. Mm-hmm. But is anyone saying, you know, we really got to give Louis more credit? I mean, Andre makes mistakes, too. No! No, they're not! Because he's Andre Vasilevsky, and I'm not saying Jordan Bennington is Andre Vasilevsky or anything near it, but just... The jig is up for Jake Allen. I'm sorry, it is. He's not going to be here next year. There is no world in which he is, and if he is, it's a serious mistake. It's the biggest mistake, arguably, of Doug Armstrong's tenure if he does not trade or buy him out this summer. Yeah, it's just a, because a waste of a space, a waste of money. You can't have him around as a backup. Worst and the biggest reason of all is because if Bennington gets hurt, you have to make him the starter again, and he's not that. That's true. And if he, I I don't. This almost feels like circular reasoning. It kind of is, but like if he starts again, like if Bennington gets hurt and he starts again and he looks okay, we have to start this whole debate over again, and the debate is settled. Mm-hmm. We know, and it'll just be like being fooled again. It'll just be like whatever Billy McFarlane's next project is. It's just like, oh, no, I'm sure he's going to come through (laughs) this time, and it won't be like Fire Festival, and then you're sitting there out $20,000, and you've got a box full of Jake Allen jerseys, and they're all autographed, but they were autographed by children in Indonesia, and they're not (laughs) worth anything. He spelled Jake Allen really weird. (laughs) That just says help on it. Uh, do you have any more thoughts on goaltending? I didn't really intend to get... No, yeah. And I, I mean, here's the thing. Bennington's going to make mistakes. He's going to struggle. Mm. That's fine. He's also going to make the big saves that keep us in games that Jake didn't show a lot of ability to. I like Jake Allen. I want Jake Allen to succeed. But we don't have to... There's There is a thick thick line, contrary to what some believe on Twitter, between believing in your team and supporting your players and blindly accepting all their mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to do it with Jake Allen or anyone else. (laughs) So go ahead and tell me why I'm wrong. No, no, I'm with you, especially on that, because I think when you're younger, too, um, not to call anyone naive or anything, but I think when you're younger, you really attach yourself to the players on your team and you feel sort of a personal connection. I can't say that I don't 
like a lot of the guys on the team or think they're, you know, cool players and stuff. Uh-huh. But the older I've grown, the more I start to really just root for the team. Mm-hmm. And almost more like I'm rooting for the fans, sort of, in a way, or the organization as a whole. Because, like, when you leave, it's not like, you know, let the door hit you on the way out sort of thing. But it's like, I just, that's fine, and I might be sad, especially if it's a bigger player, I understand. But I'm really just here for the success of the team. And if that means getting rid of a guy to make the team better, oh. then, yeah, it's nothing personal. But like I, just, I, have I want the Blues to win a cup. I don't need Braden Shen to win a cup. I want the Blues to win yeah. a cup. If there's anyone that's true about it, it's Tarasenko. Yeah, that's what I was that thinking of. As... Yeah, you get you get your handful of guys on the team, but it's like I used like, it I'll... used to feel like the whole team. I used to feel like, man, I really want every one of you guys to be here, and I think that almost died with me when they went to the Western Conference Finals. Like I really wanted that team to win the cup. Uh-huh. I mean, obviously they got that far. You want it, but I was like, I like all these guys. All these guys are awesome. Ryan Reeves, Troy Brower, Robbie Fabry, David Backus, all these guys. I'm like. <clears throat> even even Yori Laterra, even Cokehead Yori Laterra, I was like, you get it. But after that, I was kind of like, you know, I just want the team. I don't really care as much who's on it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I love I love Vladimir Tarasenko. If you told me in some sort of weird dystopian universe that we could trade Vladimir Tarasenko for like a guaranteed cup win, heartbeat. Not even a thought. Mm-hmm. Not even a thought. That's what it's about. And like 10 years ago, I don't think I would have said that about TJ mm-hmm. Oshie. You know, unless mm-hmm. you told me you certainly won't win a cup if he's here. You're just like, maybe you win a cup with Tarasenko, but if you trade him, you definitely get a cup. Sorry, Tarasenko, I'll drive mm. you to the airport. <laughs> I want the Blues to win a cup. I ain't getting any younger. Mm. We're in our late 20s, people. We are getting younger. 30s, 30s creeping. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, and then right after that is 40, and then you're halfway to dead. I don't... And the Blues haven't won a cup. I don't think people get it. I mean, I do think they get it. You ever think about the fact that we are half the age, more than half the age of the Blues? Like, the Blues were a new thing when we were born. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I mean, it's it's just... Mm-hmm. We're just... Criticize the players. Oh, oh, let, let's do the flip side, though. Mm-hmm. The pieces of crap who were out there, I'll call them pieces of crap, which is really a, a misleading start to this, but the people who were out there <laughs> adding Jake Allen and sending him hate mail and death threats, y'all can GTFO. Yeah, that's not you what this is about. You people are terrible. Yeah. That's a totally different line of reasoning. It's not reasoning. It's just hate. It's yeah. just stupid, stupid hate. And it has no place here, whether you think you're an edgy, cool fan who's, mm-hmm. you know, making a name for himself or you're just an asshole. Stop it. That's nonsense. There's a huge, thick line, again, between saying Jake Allen was really bad in that game and maybe isn't an NHL goalie versus saying Jake Allen is a worthless piece of crap and I hope he dies. Mm-hmm. And anyone with common sense knows that line exists, but some folks ain't got common sense. True that. Again, lots of people went to Fire Festival, so there's proof enough of that. <laughs> um, Watch the Fire Festival documentaries. They're great. They're both great. We just finished the uh, Hulu one after, weeks after finishing the Netflix one, and I'm going to go out on a limb. I think Hulu was a little bit better. They're both good, mm-hmm. but I think Hulu was a little bit better. Netflix did have the most memorable moment, <laughs> but we'll let you figure that out. Wow, yeah. You've seen some memes, I'm sure. <laughs> but The jig is up. 
<laughs> news is out. Uh, I finally found finally me. Found it. <laughs> the renegade who had it made received for the bounty. Anyway, what a what a musical show this has been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's move on to a different discussion. K at KMW five oh four, whose profile picture is Ken Bone, but I believe Ken Bone actually has his own Twitter account. Unless this is This is Burner unless account this, with his face. <laughs> I was literally gonna say, unless this is an ill disguised burner in which case <laughs> Awesome job. Um, Wow, Ken. But he says, I would like to pose a question for your next podcast. What are your thoughts now versus your thoughts a month and a half ago about the St. Louis Blues keeping their head coach? In my opinion, I'm not convinced anyone could have treated the situation better. Ian is deleting things and (laughs) editing them as I speak, which I appreciate. Um, Great question. I want to discuss this and not seem like a ranty, ravey, crazy person, but I will fail. Why don't you kick us off this time? Um, you know, I've softened on the make Craig Berube the actual head coach wagon a little bit, but wagon. the wagon. But I just, oh man. I thought about this at work the other day, walking around, so let's see if I can make it in a coherent thought. If the Blues, and I know you've said this before too, Stephen, if the Blues want to make Craig Bruber the head coach, fine. Do it after your extensive search you promised you'd do. And all I'm asking, as a fan, and like you could literally lie to me, and that, I, I suppose that's <laughs> acceptable. But you have to tell me that you did the search. I can't see you do the search. I guess people can report that you met with these people. Uh-huh. So I guess then that line of reporting, you'd have to be telling the truth. But like, do it. Say you did it. Show me that you did it. Just do it. I mean, really, because when every time you mention that, like you know, they need to do this search, and if they want to hire Brube, fine. I'm with you there, but they like you got to show me because I know how this would work. They would hire Barube, and they would go, "Oh, we looked at people. Yeah, we looked at some people." Or, or they wouldn't even say that. They'd kind of walk around like, "Well, Barube is just the best guy for the job right now." And it's like I want to see evidence that you went out and you did this thing, and you don't have to like you said you do an extensive search for me as a fan for Ian. You don't have to do a crazy one or anything, but at very least, at very least, you have to say we talked to Joel Quinville. At very, you have to drop his name and say you talked to him. And you can tell me in the most nice hockey way that he said fuck off. Like you can say, you know, he said he was pursuing other opportunities in Arizona or whatever. I don't care. But you have to tell me you talked to him. You you cannot have that guy sit out there and just say we hired Craig Brube, best guy for the job. End of you know end of press conference. No way you have you you have to tell me you did your due diligence. I was thinking about this at work because I'm like at work you gotta like at least try your best and show people you're working and if it fails, you know big whoop. At least they know that you were doing something for a mm-hmm. project or whatever it is. Anything in life. Show me that you're gonna put in the footwork to look around. Yeah. Please, please. This is the biggest chance that I can remember at least within the last. 10 years for sure. I don't know what happened when we promoted Davis Payne in that summer and yada yada, but for you to make a huge impact coaching wise, even outside of Quinville, we've talked about, uh, who's, I can't remember Remember his first name. Keith. Yeah. 
pursued Mike Babcock while Ken yeah. Hitchcock was still here. Yeah, like, we're looking around. Like, okay, great. Just another cock. Sheldon Keefe, yeah. Sheldon Keefe, our Swedish guy, our Swedish baby Richard boy. Gronberg. Yeah, Gronberg. There's a number of them out there. Like, even Dallas da- Eakins. Even Dallas Eakins. Eakins if he, I'd be interested. Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't, I mean, one assumes he's going to be the next coach of the Ducks. Yeah, God. That would be nice for them. But yeah, please, just... <laughs> Just just do it. Just show me that you're going to do it. It's the show me state. I think it's only fair. Well said. Well said. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, my thoughts echo yours in a lot of ways. My, my addendum is, what's the rush? Mm-hmm. And this is always my question. So the Blues are 28, 16, and 3 since uh, Barube took over. Very, very good. No question. But they had an 11-game winning streak in there. Let's dismantle that eleven-game winning streak and put something very good, like a seven and four streak. Mm-hmm. Then you're looking at twenty-five, twenty and three, which is just over five hundred. Still good, still much better than we were. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't have the standings in front of me. I assume if we were, we'd be out of the playoffs. Yeah, or at if, very least in the eighth wild card. Yeah, something like so, that. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, we'd probably be out of the playoffs. And so, I'm not discrediting the 11-game winning streak. But the Buffalo Sabres had a 10-game winning streak this year. And Phil Housley's going to be fired at the end of the season, or at least he should be. Mm. They've been a train wreck since then. And again, and you know, the Columbus Blue Jackets had a, what was it, like a 16-game winning streak a couple of seasons ago? Mm. As did the Minnesota Wild. And neither of them have been relevant since. So as much, and I don't, I don't want to crap on it because that was the most fun I've had as a hockey fan since that Western Conference final playoff run, at least. And mm-hmm. I mean, those are two of the three or four best hockey experiences of my life. So I'm not trying to crap on it in any way, but I want us to be really careful, really careful about analyzing this team post Mike Yo. With the honest assessment that for 11 straight games, we had the hottest goalie on the planet. Our superstar forward was as hot as he's been his entire career. And we won some of those games by the skin of our teeth, which you're always going to do on a winning streak. Mm-hmm. The 1-0 win against the Lightning in overtime was insane. The two... the Back-to-back Predators wins right after that was insane. It was all fun, but any of those could have turned. And if three or four of them turned, you're looking at a much more terrestrial team right now. My other big concern is special teams. The Blues are 18th in the power play. They were when I looked this up um, with an 18.7% conversion rate. That's not good enough. Mm -hmm. That's not good enough. They are 12th in the penalty kill with an 80.9% success rate. Do you know what team is first in the power play right now in the league? Uh, Don't think hard about it. Oh, the Lightning. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what team is first in the league in penalty kill right now? Is Don't the, think hard about it. It's the Lightning? It. It's the Lightning. <laughs> now, obviously, the Lightning Great. are an ungodly, inhumane team right now. But it does speak to the fact that if you want to be a really good team, you have to have really good special teams. Mm-hmm. And the Lightning have really good special teams. And the Blues have not had a good power play for a long time. 
Some people talk about when David Backus left. Others talk about when Kevin Shattenkirk left. I think it's a combination of a lot of things, but it was never good under Yo, and it hasn't improved under Barubi in any precipitous way. Ooh. What? Precipitous. The word precipitous. Yeah. <laughs> I'm easily amused. I And I said in here, I don't think the Blues turnaround is a lot more complicated than having the hottest goalie on the planet. And that connected with Tarasenko's red-hot streak and the gelling of that first line. Mm-hmm. Barubi certainly deserves some credit for that. But does he deserve a lot of credit? He also didn't start Bennington for like 10 games after he was called up. So it's a give and take when Allen was still not good. Mm-hmm. Johnson, Craig, or Chad Johnson was waived on December 10th. Jordan Bennington's first start was January 7th. Which means Jake Allen started every game between yeah. December 10th and January 7th. He started a nuts amount of when games. When Jake Allen was not good because he hasn't been good all season. So, and again, I think Ruby's done a fine job, an adequate job, a good, an acceptable to good job. But don't, what's the rush? I don't, stop settling for adequate. This franchise needs to stop settling for adequate. And I, if Craig Berube is your coach, exactly what you said. If Craig Berube, if you do your search, if Joel Quinville says fuck off, if Sheldon Keefe says fuck off, or you don't, you know, you have a clash of personalities. Mm-hmm. If Richard Gromberg gets a better offer, whatever. If if you do the search, if you honestly do the search, and you say, hey, Berube's still here. And he did a decent job. Let's give him a two-year contract. Fantastic. Fine. Wonderful. Players seem to like him. That's great. But you gotta you have to talk to you have to talk to Joel yeah. Quinville. I don't I you didn't see the game last night, so you probably didn't see the Bob McKenzie interlude in the second mm-hmm. intermission, but he basically said that uh the blues you know, Barubi is in a good spot, mm-hmm. but it boils down to playoffs, making the playoffs, and talking to Quinville. And so that was good for two reasons. First of all, it meant that he doesn't know anything about Quinville having rejected us. Mm-hmm. And right. it also means that he wasn't saying, yeah, it's basically Barubi's job to lose. I mean, mm-hmm. he kind of was, but not really. To me, it's got to be more than making the playoffs. If you make the playoffs with Barube and then get bounced by the Predators in five games, that's not good enough. Stop, and that goes back to stop settling for adequate. This fan base wants cups. They don't want more second-round exits. I know that's great for Tom Stillman. Mm-hmm. And good. I mean, I want Tom Stillman to get rich off this team, but he can get a lot richer by winning Stanley Cups than he can by second-round <laughs> exits. Just... Do the search. Just do what you said you were going to do. Do your due diligence. Talk to frigging Joel Quinville. And let's talk about that for just a second. Because Mm -hmm. you look at the openings that are out there and plausibly going to be out there. I don't see that there's a better fit for him than us. I'm not saying we're like miles ahead of the competition. But look, we've got a good core here. We've got a a number one forward a superstar score, a decent defensive core, a, a seemingly good, promising young goaltender. Mm. We've got... Decent depth. Two or three really quality prospects, still counting Robert Thomas in that. 
you know, good young players slash prospects. He's coached here before. He reportedly likes the city. And maybe Joel Quinville isn't cut from this cloth, but I can't imagine anything more appealing than coaching the team that fired you, arch rival. Mm-hmm. The team that fired you's arch rival. I don't know where the apostrophe <laughs> should go in there. But, like, to me, there's a lot of good reason to believe that could be a fit. Whether Stillman wants to fork over the cash, I don't know. But he hasn't been gun-shy on forking mm-hmm. over cash thus far. So I think it'd be worth it. Yeah, I mean, I would much rather them hire Joel Quinville and spend $5 million under the cap next year hmm. than spend to the cap with not Joel Quinville as their coach. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk more about it. At the end of the day, I think there's a 70-30 chance at worst that it's Baruby's job. But just just have the conversation. Have the talk. Make the decision in due time. And the the other thing I don't want to hear is I don't want to hear that the players like him. I don't give a damn if I know. the players <laughs> like him. I don't give a single damn. And that kind of goes back to the point you were making about like growing up a little bit with the team and thinking mm-hmm. I want the team to win. I don't care about the players. You're getting paid $5 million. If your coach is unlikable but makes you win games, I don't give a damn if you like him. I Go know. win games. Ken Hitchcock worked like here him. for a long time, and they, people hated him. Yeah, yeah. People don't like Mike Babcock. Mike Babcock's won Stanley Cups. The players that won Stanley Cups with Mike Babcock probably like Mike Babcock, you know? Well, they mm-hmm. don't, but they won a Stanley <laughs> Cup, so who cares? Yeah. You win a Stanley Cup, you play to win the game, <laughs> as whoever said. I forget. Uh, maybe uh, Tony or Tony. Was Dungeon, it Herman? Her, yeah, Herman Edwards. Thank you. The one that looks like Tony Dungy, but isn't. That's true. Um, but yes, yeah, you play to win the game. Go win a Stanley Cup. People, I players like Joel Quinville too, so that's not an argument. And so, my ultimate argument is please, please, please go get Joel Quinville. (laughs) (laughs) But if we were removing that totally from the table, I still want you to at least chat with other people before you hire Baruby. There's no sense to me in promoting Baruby in in March. Or oh, no. Well, like the Cardinals did with Mike Schilt, which, again, I don't mind. I think Schilt was the best candidate they were going to find. But why rush? Just have your conversations. They're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So um, I hope that answered your question, Ken Bones' burner account. Um, <laughs> Good luck in next year's uh, debates. Yeah, absolutely. Hope you ask many terrific questions. Um Anyone also, by the way, always welcome to send in questions. We're all we're perfectly willing to run our mouths on any subject, mm-hmm. uh, but we always love interacting with questioners and and questionees. <laughs> um, another discussion we've been involved in this week uh, is about the NHL playoff format. The current format is one that everyone but me seemingly hates. <laughs> Uh, a lot of people want changes to a conference-wide one-to-eight seed. Um, some people want reseeding involved in that. I know Sean Ooh. Sean McIndoe, aka Down Goes Drown of the Athletic, has his wacky one where he wants one-to-eight seeding in the conferences, and then after I think after the second round, everyone the final four teams are reseeded regardless of conference, which is just dumber than hell as far Ew. as I'm concerned. 
Um, you got two sides. It always works like that. Just, always has two have sides. It. Just have the two sides. I don't. Yeah. Just anyway. What are your thoughts on playoff form? Playoff format. Um, I've always liked the one to eight seating for the conferences. I never really cared for the thing they did prior to this, where they said the top, the top team in each division when the each conference used to have three divisions would be the one through three. So mm-hmm. sometimes you'd have a fourth. Team four would have more points than team three, but because they weren't in the same division as team three, they got placed in fourth place. Um, so really just one through you know eight, you could literally have six central teams and two Pacific teams or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, my thought has always been either you need to you need to align the playoffs with the regular season. So currently in the regular season, I believe you play your division total more than you play any other team. Oh, no, I don't know. Actually, you end up yeah. playing, but you end up playing the Eastern Conference like, what is that, 32 times? Cause, I guess. Yeah. So anyways, what I would like them to do is either A, make them play in your division during the regular season more, and then keep the current format because the whole format reason for it is that they want you to play your division in the playoffs more make those rivalries so why not just go full bore and say more division games during the season current format where you're playing in your division the first two rounds at least or you say hey we're going to have the current season format where you're playing your division a fair amount but you get every eastern conference team twice you get every pacific at least from the central's point of uh view you get every pacific team three times so you get a lot of other teams, mm-hmm. and in the playoffs they should then do one through eight, where you can see other teams more yeah. often too. So like go all division, real hardcore, or don't. I'm not a big fan of this weird mix thing where they go, well, you don't play your division a lot, but in the playoffs you do. For me, it's just more of a excitement that you could pull anybody. Mm-hmm. It was kind of fun to pull the Kings, even though we did it two years in a row, sort of, kind of. Right now, the Blues would play Nashville if it was a 1-8 through eight seeding, so that would just happen regularly. But Calgary would be playing Minnesota, Dallas would be playing San Jose, Winnipeg would be playing Vegas. I know people will say, oh, well... Winnipeg-Vegas would be a hell of a fun that'd be fun. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's conference a conference final rematch, right? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of travel, so I get that's the argument. We're like, well, they got to fly back and forth, and now Blues games are on super late when you're playing Vancouver... And the first round, it's a playoff game, stay up, baby. But that's kind of my thought. I'm like, for the players, sure. But we just kind of talked about it. I care less about the players. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, whatever. I don't care. Um, and I'm never going to use that as an. You will never find me. The Blues lose a playoff round. I go, well, it was a long travel, yeah. guys. They were very tired. That's no. not very fair. I don't give a shit. The Blues no, suck. No, no, no. Um, so that'll be my excuse. Um, so I've always, I've just been partial one through eight, just for the variety uh-huh. that you get. But I do kind of understand them wanting to drive this divisional rivalry stuff. I know you kind of have more thoughts on what people think when they say there's easy paths versus hard paths versus no paths. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to pick on anyone in particular, but... Do it! (laughs) No, I mean, we've had a long Twitter discussion about this. Everybody can see that. It's public. But, like, I don't mind the current format. And I know I'm I know I'm in the wild minority here, and I've always said, Ian, I've always <laughs> believed this, that 
and I've even said on the show before this same maxim, which means that it's fully 31 thoughts of oh, truth. No. But if everyone disagrees with you on something, you're probably the one that's wrong. So I get that. But what I hate about people who hate the current format is that, you know, and again, we listen to Dangle a lot, so I'll use Toronto as an example. The constant bitching about Toronto's really good this season and they have to play Boston in the first round again. The playoffs are supposed to be hard. (laughs) If you're going to win the Stanley Cup, you're going to either have to beat Boston or beat a team that beat Boston at some point. Mm-hmm. So stop bitching about it. Who t- tell me? And this is a this is an argument I saw repeated again, over and over again during this Twitter thread about teams that get a free pass to the Western Conference to the Conference Finals. Tell me who has gotten a free pass to the Conference Finals in the last what's it been four or five years that this. Mm-hmm. Name a team, and I know the team you're going to name. It's going to be the 2016-2017. God, it was only uh, two years ago. It wasn't even <laughs> two years ago. The 2017 Ottawa Senators, who, yes, had to play the New York Rangers that would rebuild the following season in the second round, but that was only after they defeated the friggin' Boston Bruins, the same Boston Bruins that I'm now hearing Toronto, their cross-province rival, bitching about having to play yet again in the first round. The insurvivable, insurmountable, indefatigable Boston Bruins are the team they had to knock out in the first round. Nobody has free passes in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And it's you're not supposed to. And I get, like, I am, I'm over... Overall, I'm behind the idea of like, okay, well, if you win the president's trophy mm-hmm. or you, you know, you're first in your league or your division, you should have an easier road. But they already do. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that Toronto's in the best division in the NHL, but they're still playing the worst teams in the best division. Or uh, did I say Toronto? I meant Tampa in that case. Either way, though. Mm-hmm. Tampa is extraordinarily good. If they're supposed to win the cup this year, they should beat everybody. I don't care if they have to play Toronto and and or Boston. Well, not and, but or Boston in the second round versus having to play them in the third round. What damn difference does it make? It makes a little bit of difference in the fact that, yeah, maybe you'll get a Pittsburgh-Ottawa Western Conference Final, and that kind of sucks. But you know what? That game that went to seven games. Mm. Ottawa was seconds away from the Stanley Cup Final, weren't they? In an overtime, like the was yeah. it seven game seven overtime or game six that they could have won in overtime? I think Pittsburgh tied it up late, and then it went to OT. Yeah, so I just don't want to hear it. And so, like, I'm fine with changing the format. One to eight in the conference is great. Don't add more teams. Oh, God. Don't no. ever add more teams. It's already an embarrassment that 16 we're, teams are in. We're only going to get to having to, half the league once Seattle joins. God awful embarrassment <laughs> to me. I, it's horrendous that 16 it teams. It blows my in. mind that, like, there's that wild card game that MLB plays, but I mean, it's one game, so you're not really in the playoffs. Yeah. But, like, it's eight teams out of 30. To uh-huh. me, I'm like, my my brain hurts. I'm like, only eight of them make it? I'm like, god damn, that's, that's brutal. Barbaric. Yeah, you wonder why teams are tanking. There you but, go. I mean, there's got to be a middle ground, but the middle ground is not 24 teams <laughs> making the playoffs. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, if one to eight's great to me, I'm all in favor of it, but I don't want the reason to be it's too hard for the well, teams right now. And the other thing is too, I think a lot of people always don't factor into hockey and it's like a huge part of hockey and it, people don't want to talk about it because you can't really analyze it mm-hmm. is luck. Yeah. I mean, and even within the game, but even just within the, the meta of the sport, like the Blues were a fantastic team in the late 90s, early 2000s. Unfortunately, so were the Avalanche. Unfortunately, the next year, so were the Red Wings. Next year after that, oh, that sucks, so are the Stars. And it seems crazy. You're like, man, how'd they run into the, literally the like one other team that's better than them? That sucks. That's so unfair. Sure, I guess, but it's also just, it's just unlucky, and it happens. You can see that throughout the league. Winnipeg, when they had the Jets the first time, we're a fantastic team, but unfortunately, the Oilers had Gretzky and were amazing. And then one year, Calgary was also really good and won the Cup. They just could never get over the hump. And it's unfortunate, but it doesn't mean what the format is needs to be changed, like something's wrong. It's just unfortunate. Like, I'm sorry yeah. that you're running in the Bruins over and over again. That stinks. But, the- but then, if you're actually, if that happens all the time, I don't know. Get prepared. The get ready. The answer to that is beat the Bruins. Yeah, like now you know who you're playing. Like prepare for it. I Isn't don't know. Isn't that theoretically better? Yeah. Like if you're Toronto, you know there's like a six, a sixty percent chance heading into the season mm. that you're playing the Bruins in the first round. Isn't that kind of awesome? You mm. have a year to prepare for your first round matchup. I was like, and planned. you had the matchup last year to know how they beat you the last time. Mm. That shouldn't be viewed as a weakness. Sure, maybe you want friggin' whoever, I don't know, friggin' Carolina in the first round. Maybe they're an easier out. But what if um, the Panthers go on a hot streak and sneak in on the last day, Mm -hmm. and suddenly they're your opponent, and you weren't prepared for the Panthers at all, and they're red hot? Is that better? Mm -hmm. The Stanley Cup playoffs are supposed to be insanely difficult that's why it's the best trophy to win in sports bar none the best team trophy to win in all of sports so why are we trying to make it easy for anyone plus if you i the president's trophy has never yeah. mattered for the playoffs either so sorry, if you do i say yeah but to your point though if you do really well in the season that's great you've made the playoffs you've got your seating you've got your home ice advantage depending on where you're at in the seating there, there's your, there's your reward. Why yeah. do you need it to be like we did so well in the season? Like, I think I get the cup now. No, the idea of reseeding. It's like no, they had oh. their reward. They were the first seed. Yeah, you already had it. Oh, I, we talked about this before. I hate reseeding, and it's, it's only so because stupid. it's only because I'm a weird um, person. <laughs> <laughs> I, What's the word I'm looking yeah. for? Human being. <laughs> yeah, like, that explains it. Um, just that. If you make a bracket, I hate the fact that you could be like, well, move this guy over here now. No, no, no. They follow the tree. Mm. You're just in a tree, and it follows the path. Imagine how little money March Madness would make if they reseeded after That's every what round. I, people talk about reseeding, then you bring up March Madness, and they'll be like, well, I like March Madness. I'm like, you, no, no, no. Like, yeah, that would be disgusting. Oh, that would be so bad. Yeah. Because the whole, like, nobody cares about March Madness. They care about the upsets. There are three people on Earth mm-hmm. 
that know how St. John's has performed in basketball this season. But there will be thousands <laughs> of people that choose them to pick vi- or choose them to upset Syracuse in the first mm-hmm. round. And I don't even know if either of those teams are currently in the basketball bracket, cup. But I do know that yeah. Jim Beheim killed a guy earlier this year, so things have been rough at Syracuse. <laughs> but um, but no my point is... You, I mean, you get my point. Like, yeah. That's fun because it's a bracket, and even as an impartial observer, you can kind of be like, dit, 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 these are the teams that are going to win. Yeah. And then at the end, your bracket's a disaster, but it was fun. Because mm. when friggin' St. John's beat Syracuse or whoever the hell, when Appalachian State knocked off Michigan, you can be like, I called that. I'm such a genius. And it's like you flipped a coin, didn't you? And you're like, yeah, <laughs> but that coin came up tails. <laughs> my coin. And so, yeah, I mean... The playoffs, they should be hard to win. Get over it. Any other thoughts on the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the Ottawa Senators. Ian, you did a good thing for me this week. I asked the you to only avoid good thing a I've Twitter ever thread, done. and you did, and this is going to be delightful as a result. Don't don't open it now. I'm no, just no, gonna I'm read not touching anything. The Ottawa Senators. I, I suppose we should introduce our, our old segment called the Senators. Sadness Summit, which we will now undertake. But the Ottawa Senators fired head coach Guy Boucher, a.k.a. Moneyfinger. <laughs> the Bond villain. Man, Moneyfinger. I love it. Man, that could be... Mm, thank you. Mm, thank interesting. You. Um, but they fired him earlier this week. After days of Pierre Dorian saying, he's our head coach, we will not replace him in season. <laughs> oh, the Yarhawak move. Seems about right. And uh, I don't even want to dwell on that because he was his contract was done at the end of the year and he wasn't going to resign even if they offered him an extension because why would you put yourself through that? They're only paying you $5 <laughs> per game. So the... The Senators are the most miserable team in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And a gentleman named Ryan, at Ryan Classic, tweeted out a thread that's just a timeline of the Ottawa Senators since losing Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Final in 2017. Mm. This timeline has 2,200 retweets, over 6,000 likes, and was read on the Steve Dangle podcast where you avoided it. And now I would like to read it to you and all of our listeners for their live reactions. Mostly your live reactions. <laughs> Tweet us your live reactions. There's one point in here that I'm especially excited for you to get to. But all, I mean, some of this is like legitimate tragedy, like deep, dark tragedy. And then others of it is just like, mm. oh my God. So. This is just no holds barred. So we're going down the twisty-turny road of everything that's happened to the Ottawa Senators in the last not even two years. Are you prepared? Take me with you. All right. Ryan says, The Ottawa Senators, since losing in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals, take a deep breath, everyone. (sighs) Brian Murray passes away. Their former GM Mm. uh, lost a battle with colon cancer at the age of 74. Which is tragic, but he was a 74-year-old man, so I'm not diminishing (laughs) it, but it's not like a player dying on the ice or something. Mm. 
Next, owner Eugene Melnick threatens fans at outdoor game that he'll move team. <laughs> Sounds like man yells at cloud. <laughs> oh, we're going to get a lot of man yells at cloud in this <laughs> oh, Including, Melnick tells Brent Wallace, a beloved Ottawa reporter, that he'll, quote, bury him. Mm. Next tweet. <laughs> Most talented player in franchise history, Eric Carlson, put on trade block. This is going to be great because you will have forgotten so many of these things happened, including, I assume, this one, because I certainly Oh, you'll see. We'll see. Assistant General Manager Randy Lee accused of sexually harassing a 19-year-old bus driver. I remember that. We talked about I that. I remember it, yeah. but do you, like, actively remember no, it? I, no, I don't exactly. think Exactly. So. Oh, wow, yeah. Melnick hires the Larry Flint lawyer <laughs> to represent Randy Lee. <laughs> A new COO has to be hired before Randy Lee is suspended. Randy Lee steps down. After months, new assistant GM is finally hired. I think that saga is done. Mike Hoffman's girlfriend stalks and harasses Eric Carlson and his wife online. Allegedly. (laughs) Yeah, wow. Fan favorite Turris is is shipped off. In the same move, the team traded potential first overall pick in 2019 for one year of Matt Duchesne. Started rebuild two months later. (laughs) Fans started revolt against owner erecting billboards. Daniel Alfredson leaves again, this time from the front office. Alfredson later says to reporter he hopes a new owner comes soon. Melnick fires the CEO and named himself CEO. Mm, That sounds interesting. This is another from the tragedy department. Eric Carlson's son is stillborn, which was awful, and I'm sure is still awful for him. Craig Anderson and Mike Condon have career-awful seasons. Anderson reportedly asks for trade, is still on team. Condon has an even worse start to the next season, is never heard from again. (laughs) Not enough money for ushers in the third deck. What? The first town hall meeting allowed reporters, but banned recording gear and laptops. There was a town hall meeting where owners said Alfredson wanted to leave. There was a promise made to not trade Eric Carlson at the draft and make a contract offer. Carlson turned down that offer that allegedly had no trade protection. Carlson was traded for six assets. Carlson states that he believed if he'd signed his offer, he'd have been traded anyway. Carlson does not thank owner on the way out. We're done with the Eric Carlson saga, I think. (laughs) Jonathan Petrie, or Peter, I don't know who that is, passes away. I should look that up. Clark MacArthur, forced to retire from concussions. Dion Phaneuf, traded to Los Angeles. His retained salary is now the second highest paid defenseman. Onesies with the team logo on it have been recalled for being a choking hazard. Cody CC accidentally sets friend's girlfriend on fire. <laughs> what? 
Cody Cece accidentally sets friend's girlfriend on fire. Have we, have we, and by we, I mean you looked into this? I have heard what the uh, Steve Dangle podcast reported. The headline is Scanland. The night a woman burst into flames (laughs) in Cody Cece's backyard and her <laughs> long road to recovery. Oh no. Oh no. This is like a bad burn. I mean when you're on fire I assume it's a bad burn, but like this is like oh no. A bottle of wine sat on the table, but this Wednesday in May was not a night for excess. Jesus. Why why the re- why <laughs> with the why with weird jokes and things and writing about no, someone's The burn? rectangular tabletop fire pit was glowing. Albeit dimmer at one end as fuel ran low, a gas lamp bottle caught fire, and then a woman caught fire. What? And in the weeks reporting is this? And in the weeks that followed, I am cutting some sentences out. I gotcha. But not that one. That one was how it was written. And in the weeks that followed, the gossip around town quickly escalated about just what went on in Cody Cece's backyard that night. Cody Cece sets friend's girlfriend on fire. <laughs> next Get well, qu- next point. Melnick and Borovitsky, Bor- we're just going to go with it, mm. have Twin Peaks level interview. <laughs> when asked what teams can look forward to, Dorian pauses for over five seconds and says... We're a team. team. (laughs) Oh, no. The O logo was replaced at center ice by a 3D Centurion. Team refuses to refund season tickets after the Carlson trade. Season tickets down by 4,000. Opening night, heavy balls are dropped on fans. Oh, I do remember this. Do you, what's the story there? I think it's like those big, like, confetti ball that, you know, there's like confetti in Uh the ball or something like that. And when they dropped them, they were like... Very dense and like hit people and knock them to the ground. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I can't imagine what a oh my god. There are fair warning like 12 more tweets. This is like a non stop. I can't imagine you can go to this game like this team blows (laughs) and getting hit in the head with this giant ball. You're like, why? Why am I even here? Uber video showing players roasting mm-hmm. assistant coach in defense. Post media refuses to take down video. Ken Warren kicked off team charter. Something called Furry Night, actually <gasps> referring to pets, happens. <gasps> team forgets to hire promo forgot photographer for LGBTQ night until a week before the event. Team adopts dog immediately goes on losing streak. <laughs> Melnick, Great job. This just this this list, honest to God, ranges ranges from the unbelievably macabre to the just incredibly unbelievably ridiculous, mm-hmm. the incredibly absurd. Melnick tells a group of sponsors in Toronto that the team will spend near the cap in 2021. <laughs> Okay. And, sa- and promises five years of unparalleled successes. 
Keith Kachuk publicly states he wants Mark Stone to sign to keep helping his son. Matt Duchesne traded to Columbus for multiple assets. Ryan Dezingle traded a day later to Columbus for multiple assets. Mark Stone traded to Vegas days later for three assets. Duchesne and Stone both say they received fair offers from Senators and decided not to sign. Stone agrees to deal with Vegas in 30 minutes. Stone says he likes Vegas' owner's commitment to winning. Melnick caught on video saying Stone trade has been planned for some time. Six players remain from the 2017 playoff roster any thoughts Six. or should i just keep just keep rolling keep along? rolling holy crap coach guy boucher fired in under 24 hours after dorian says decision will be made in spring dorian <laughs> jokes around during boucher firing press conference every single press release includes rebuild in some form downtown arena deal starts and stops multiple times pro melnick twitter uses Twitter bot uses photos of women's uses stock photos of women's faces. Amy Dezeal, chief marketing officer, says there are many anti-Melnick bots as pro-Melnick bots. Uh, LeBretonFlatsFacts.com. I don't even know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm picturing like like, there's just as many pro-Melnick bots as there are negative Melnick bots. And I know they're just like programs but i'm just picturing like fucking robots arguing on the internet about the the value of eugene melnick and i'm like this is like this is like a dr seuss acid trip up in the city it is everything's wrong but it's like wrong in the weirdest of ways Uh uh-huh continue sorry no you're fine uh melnick sues sues former libretton co-developer for 750 million is countersued for 1 billion arbitrator brought in deal falls apart completely pierre dorian refers to mark stone trade as his proudest moment as gm dorian does oh (laughs) my god dorian does not think there's a disconnect between team and fans dorian inexplicably doxes himself at Naven Arena. I meant to look up what this one was. Why don't you give your thoughts on him calling the Mark Stone trade uh, the proudest moment of his career? I mean, like, God, like, in a sort of, like, ironic way where, like, because everything else has just been worse? Maybe not ironic, but, like, every other trade he's made has been bad, so this one was, like, passably bad, but uh, why would you say that? Sometimes people say things, and I don't know why they're saying them, and especially him. Like, who asked you? Did someone say, what's their proudest moment as a GM? They're uh, probably just talking to you about the trade. Why, but then you didn't have to say that. You'd just be like, yeah, we made the trade. We thought it was what was best for the team, which is stupid. But, like, I mean, just say that. Drafting Brady Kachuk. That's your answer. Yeah. That is so much your better. answer. Oh, yikes. Because he's your only... Th- I mean, Thomas Shabbat's amazing, but he's your... That's your core, so you gotta say it. Wow. I'm not a pro- I'm not paid let's be reasonable, hundreds of thousands of <laughs> dollars to be a GM, tens of thousands of dollars to be a GM. And I came up with that answer in two seconds. I don't know how he doxed himself. Um but I'm sure it wasn't good. <laughs> Naven Arena, maybe if we're tight. That makes that. me think of um Arrest Development with Tobias, where he says he blew himself when he's all blue. You don't know. You can't find it. Sorry? No, no. He says, uh, no irate Senators fans bothered Pierre Dorian at Naven Arena last night where he was watching a sun play. Of course, he was also accompanied by two police officers and two security guards who heard him tell TSN 
1,200 listeners, if anybody is mad at me, be mad at me there. So he basically told people to find him at Naven Arena, <laughs> where he was watching his son. Wow. Uh, like, what are you doing? Stop speaking. We're, uh. we're, we're, we're running out of fuel. We're towards the end here. Post-trade deadline radio call-in show lasts 12 hours. Holy fuck. <laughs> After trading top six scores from last season, top that's not your top six scores or a mm. top six scores. That is the top six scores on the team. <laughs> Pierre Dorian tells team there are no excuses. Doug McQueen and Brian Burke roast Dorian and Melnick on Sportsnet. Good. Sharks made room for Carlson by dumping Mikel Bodker on Ottawa in a previous trade. Like how that's just in there. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, Mikel Bodker got dumped. Community ambassadors do media circuit talking about importance of community outreach less than 48 hours after no team only sins foundation were present at Capital Pride. Uh, Dorian, during his radio interview, fans are married to players, marry new players, get a new girlfriend. <laughs> what the? F- Holy crap. Where did- I guess I was in the Grand Canyon. I missed all a of this. A fan has a heart attack in the stands. John Gabriel Pajot gets injured on the first day of training camp. MacArthur's career was ended by a concussion sustained in training camp by a minor league teammate, Patrick Seeloff, who was later re-signed to an extension. That is the end of the list. Obviously, some of that is out of out of order. But there are things he didn't include. He didn't dwell on Mike Kaufman being dealt and then flipped for much more. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't talk about the fact that like Keith Kachuk and Brady Kachuk were crying when Mark Stone left. There's more. There's more things. He didn't even mention Brian Five or Six. The suffering of the Ottawa Senators is non-parel. It is inconceivable. Mm. Any thoughts on that whole list? You know, you said you thought the Ducks were like the worst team, and I think you're right. I think as a team, they are like the worst team, but the Ottawa Senators as an organization is just like a thing in this world are like so bad. And you know what? I'd say they're worse than the Oilers because the Oilers have been bad for a long time. That's been this big churning beast. That's like slowly just falling apart. Like it's constantly falling apart, but it's just year after year. But Ottawa like was like, Oh, we're doing it now. It was like a, (laughs) it was a blitzkrieg of like, and I mean, granted we sort of talked about this. They weren't, a fantastic team, even when they reached the Western Conference Finals. They were obviously still a very good team. You know, I'll even say they were a great team because they made it that far. But, oh, my God, just the absolute plummet. And then under, what is this, in the last, like, three years? Uh Less than that? Oh, my God. Two years. Two years since the final. Unbelievable. (sighs) Get, like, it starts with, and it's always like, well, we'll do do little things here and there to make the team better. It starts with getting rid of Melnick and Dorian. Like, both of them. I don't even think Dorian's the problem. That's the thing. I don't have respect for Pierre Dorian. But there are so many things that are clearly just... Mm. Clearly that morning, Melnick was just said, just said, fire Guy Boucher. Mm. And Dorian said, but I just spent the last week saying he was our coach. Oh, yeah, 100%. I don't give a shit. And Dorian had to do it because that's his boss, and he can just fire him on a whim. Who'd they hire? I would not be shocked if in the next week Melnick fires Pierre Dorian and appoints himself general manager. He's already pulling the strings. 
They hired the Mark Crawford, yeah. the old the guy who won the cup with the Avalanche a thousand years ago. Yeah, isn't the, is this like when? Who was I guess their assistant already or something? Oh, I think really? it was like a Barube decision. I mean, is this like when Palpatine becomes like the supreme chancellor or whatever? You know, just slowly is, moving this, people out. This is how democracy does. With people getting hit by very heavy balls. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead serious. Like, how? Why are people at those games? It's got to be like families, right? It's got to be like yeah, my kid likes hockey. I do want to say bring them to the game. I'm trying to think who it was. I'm sorry, I'm not coming up with their name right now. But they were talking on Twitter about how like some of this is on the fans because the games are there and they're not going. And historically, that has been true. Yeah. I'm not denying that. Prior right to all now, this, yeah. no one should go to these games. That should literally be an empty arena. I mean, Why I bother? guess we should just have other teams. You did this team does not deserve your support right now. That's what I mean. You're you're I, seriously wasting your money. Yeah, seriously. And I don't. I can't imagine tickets are cheap. I'm gonna go to SeatGeek right now and figure out how much it would cost us to get. Just upper bowl tickets to the next Ottawa Senators game. See my boy Brady Kachuk. Because <laughs> it's still a Canadian market. Yeah. And it's a small stadium. I guess there's your answer. It's Canadian, so they're going to go watch hockey no matter what. But I can't Okay, so can't it, is, it is very affordable. If, <laughs> if you, I, can't, I mean, if I'm you, with you. I can't imagine it's very affordable. It's very affordable. If you, you want to hop up, if you want to go on the 14th, um, after our trivia tournament on mm. Wednesday, we can go watch the Blues play there for fifteen bucks a seat. Hot so damn! Let's, let's take a road trip. Fifteen bucks Canadian, right? <laughs> yeah, so okay. even cheaper. Yeah. Next year, you want to go to a Senators game? Yeah. It's the only way we're ever going to watch hockey in Canada on our human budgets. Damn right. When the uh, when the Maple Leafs come, by the way, it's one hundred and thirty-two dollars per seat, which is just Maple Leafs fans. Yeah. Um, oh. Anything else to say? The misery. It's, it's entertaining, I'll be honest. It's pretty entertaining. It but is pretty entertaining. I feel bad for the fans because if this were the Blues, I would, man, I don't even know what I would do. Oh, I'd kill myself. <laughs> imagine we, I mean, we were, we were in the Western Conference Finals, and imagine we were now that. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh-huh. That's what it is. Why do they not spend in the camp? Because they're poor? Because Melnick's an asshole and they're okay. poor, yeah. I mean, that is a give and take with the fans in attendance. I get that, but not that much of a give and take. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, give and take, but this is a lot of take. (laughs) This is a bunch of take. This is a lot lot more take than give on this one. Jeez, Melanie. Well, we haven't hit two hours in the Boozer and intermission. Do you want to open some hockey cards? I've got some hockey cards we can open. Sure. If you want to. But we don't have to. The people can just be disappointed by not watching the spectral activity. You can leave now. If you're not in the hockey cards. These are 2018-19 Upper Deck Series 1 hockey cards. And if we pull any young guns, they're all mine. <laughs> Look at that. ASMR. Oh, God. We've lost the one listener we have left. <laughs> Still had. God, I just hope they don't do any ASMR shit. <laughs> Fuck! God damn it! You got oh, I looked at You're them. opening up, up on a senator. I'm going to hit you with Anthony Mantha. Anthony Mantha. He's not a boy thug. Did you know Anthony Mantha played 80 games last year and had 24 goals and 24 assists? Mm-mm. Who, 
Who's your Ottawa senator? Oh, I went from the bottom. Oh. It's Riley Sheehan of the uh, of the now longer Pittsburgh Penguins. Where's he at now? I guess. Was he the guy? No, Connor Sherry's traded to Buffalo. No, but Florida. Yeah, Florida. Florida? I'm pretty okay. sure. I got Simeon Varlamov. I also have seventeen of that very card. Oh, I got Mike Smith. Ooh, you get him. I guess yeah, so. It's <laughs> not a Mike not Smith's a... really good at handling the puck though. And except he was awful the other day. Did you see that play? Mm-hmm. It was even worse than Allen's. Anthony Strastrowman. Travis. Oh, God, say his name for me, buddy. Konechny. I can. Travis Konechny. You make it sound so easy. It's a terrible name. It's a young gun card, but it's Louis Valtetio of the Minnesota Wild. I think you win that. By default. I've never heard of that guy. It's Clayton Keller, yes. Yep, I believe you've won. I believe you have conclusively won. Chesterfield uh, Zone. Speaking of Minnesota Wild, it's the ever disappointing or good or injured Jared Spurgeon. I don't know which of those They say he's is. really good. But he's never healthy. He's really short. How about Jordan Eberly? Eberly, I think... I, I don't know who wins. You can have okay. them. You can take them. Yeah, we care a lot who wins these cards, mm. much like Faith No More. I've got Miso Patrick Hornquist. I think you win, but Your this team is... team emblem. This is a Young Guns UD Canvas Noah Yulson. Ooh. Never heard of fancy. I haven't either. How about TJ Brody of the Calgary Bro, Flames? Uh, Jonathan Drawing. Yeah, that's yours. Have you won any? Yeah, I you think. won the Konechny. Yeah, I And it. I've got Matthias Ekholm. Oh, Matthias Ekholm. I got Jason <laughs> Spezza. <laughs> Man, that was not a good round for you. But no. we got one more pack. But it's a great round for the Blues, unless it's, it's overturned. Live action, the Blues have just scored a Vladimir Tarasenko goal. Oh, shit. We got to get out there and folks, see Folks, it. it's his 20th of the season, assisted by Braden Shen, his 30th assist of the season, 25 seconds <laughs> into the second period. Live reaction. What do you think? I think it's great. Great this stuff. is the only live breaking action we'll ever get to cover on this show. And I do want to apologize. We obviously aren't covering the Kings game in depth tonight because we can't. We're it's too late. late and we're tired. Hard stop. Why don't you hit me with your first card of this pack? John Klingberg. John, oh, I got a really I'm, thin neck Klingberg. I'm definitely going to lose, but I am going to have the support of all our fans and all our sponsors. It's Mark Borvietschke. How old is Mark? It should say on the back of that hockey card. He is my age. And by that, I mean 29 or 30. Ooh. Weird. I thought he was young. But as we've discussed, he'll soon be dying <laughs> of old age. I've got... Alex Kerfoot. I've got Braden Holtby. God damn it. Six Kerfeet under. How about Jason Demers, who plays for the Coyote? Man, I've heard his name for so long. Yep. I think Is he you normally win a shark? with Nikita Zaitsev. I think you win that. Nikita Zaitsev, not so good. Oh, yeah, that's the not good Russian. Yeah, is he it's Russian? not Nikita Zadorov. Don't get him confused. I was, I was. Kyle Connor. Oh no, oh no! Look what he looks like. <laughs> Look at his face. And, oh no! And folks, he's not posing or anything. He's just got a weird yeah. face. <laughs> Kyle Connor is a valley girl. Wait, you're giving me Aaron Eckblad? Oh, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> it's a push. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> you need a win. <laughs> you need a. 
I'm giving you the dubs. And I need to win this young gun, Troy Terry. Oh, nice. Carl Soderberg. Uh, you can take it. Good, good, good. <laughs> Carl Soderberg, I found out recently, is one of Avs correspondent Jordan's favorite Avalanche players. Jordan, hey, why? It's, it's recent Blues edition two teams ago, Michael Del Zotto. Ooh, fun. Oh, I got real Blues <laughs> player Colton Pareko. <laughs> I think I saw enough evidence on last night that you win that decisively. <laughs> Uh, it's a recent Nashville Predators edition waving to his son, adorable Brian Boyle. I've got Dmitry Orlov of the Washington Capitals. Hey, 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 I think you win? I guess. And finally, he told you to keep the change and then he kicked your ass. It's Patrick Kane. Oh, no, I think you win this one, but it's like no one would want this to be the win. You get Braden Shen, oh, I guess. Oh, no, I wouldn't Ooh, trade that's them rough. now. I would. I, would. I would do that immediately. <laughs> get me Patrick Kane. Seriously, folks, all is forgiven. I do not care. Yep, that's how I feel. Absolutely, except for the women's issues, those really suck. No, yeah, Tomorrow, International Women's Day, which is as good a time as any to remind the world that Patrick Kane is a scumbag. Uh, thank you all for <laughs> tuning in to the Two Guys No Cup podcast, coming in at 1 minute and 55 seconds today, except it's not going to be that because we have a theme song to add and probably other stuff. But thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Do you have a Thursday game next week, or are we normal? No, I got a Tuesday game. Okay. Oh, yeah, I've got four weeks in a row, Tuesday. Tuesday, Monday, Thursday. Last four weeks of the season, we have 16 games left, including tonight. Oh my god. You got the stretch, baby. It's the playoff stretch. Justin Horniker checks in live from the watching of the game that's in Los Angeles saying, so dirty, Vlad. So it must have been a very nice goal. He must have elbowed someone in the face. We'll talk about it next week on the Two Guys No Cuffs podcast. Thanks for listening in and good night. Au revoir. 